Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I thought that was doubt in your mind. <laughs> um, I was just like, I was, I was trying to think if anybody could get grumpy about it, but you walk the PC line exceptionally I think, well. So I think it's, I think it's very, very, right very well done. That's good comedy. That's, uh, you know, me, you know, me. <laughs> <laughs> Antonio Conte, who is now in at Tottenham, back in English football today. Is Welcome into the Tottenham Depot. It is episode 54, Tottenham Hotspur 3, West Ham United 1. I am your host, Andrew. You can follow me at Aestetka. You can follow us at Tottenham Depot on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok. We are here to recap this one. Before we get into that and before we get into the full house of introductions, be sure to subscribe on your podcast platform of choice, rate and review. That helps spread the word about what we're doing here, recapping every single Tottenham Hotspur match and coming to you even next week during an international break. Uh, let's start by throwing it out to at DSM Spurs. He is Scott and he is up there in the Pacific Northwest. Scott, what's going on, my friend? Chilling, man. Sonny played today. Tottenham fucking played today. No questions there. No questions there at all. You knew Tottenham played and, and you know, we didn't have to remind you, you were on board a little bit of a later start for us out on the, here on the West coast. It's all good. And um, massive, massive shout out to my wife for being on time to the match today. I got, I got to <laughs> say we were nice and early. It was fucking great. Come on, you Spurs. Well, let's, let's, let's have your lovely wife chime in on that. Kat is with us as well on this one. She is at Africa Spurs. Kat, what's going on? That I'm doing well, but that that on early stuff was terrible. I sat there at the bar and like I had nothing to do, and I was just like, okay, like what are we doing right now? Like we're the first people here, and I'm bored, <laughs> so I Could needed to sleeping. walk in, make an entrance, you know, and <laughs> say sing some chants. That's that's my type of vibe. Not this early early person. No, we're not doing that. So. But it was a good game, so I'm happy. <laughs> Kat was uh, admiring the earliness. I love that. Uh, speaking of admiring, Caroline was admiring Christian Romero's quads today, and she is with us as well at CG Stefco. Caroline, how are you? I'm good. Technically, someone else in the chat was admiring the quads, and I just stole the joke. But yeah, it wasn't I mean, me. I'll, it wasn't me. I won't we, cop to that at we all. We can all sure. appreciate them. It's good. <laughs> Mostly, was... I was appreciating Sunny though. Yeah, of course, game. of course. Yeah. Christian was rocking the the shorter. He was like hiked the shorts up and was showing them off. I was like, "What's going on here?" I'm, I'm not complaining, but I'm just asking what's going on. <laughs> uh, Todd is with us as well. He is at TC underscore show. TC, what's up, man? Dude, any day, any fucking day, you get to send West Ham packing before an international break is a good fucking day. It's a good day. Can't complain, man. And uh, hey, let's call it what it is. Um, 
Romero, uh, currently in this very moment, Romero is the best defender in the Premier League. Fight me. <laughs> it's not. It's not. It's not far off. It's not far off at all. Shuban is with us as well from good old London. He is at the real Shuban. Shubs, how's it going? I'm good. Although, do you know what? Uh, so proud Lily Whites do this thing where they, if you predict the scoreline and you put the first score, you win the pin badge. And I was so fucking close. I got the scoreline right and I got the first goal. But unfortunately, someone's bloody foot deflected the goal in. It would have gone in anyway. So because of that, because of that cat hater, I have now lost out on the pin badge. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit annoyed. But you know what? Anytime you get to... I better be careful what I say about West Ham because as Todd knows, I have a bit of history about insulting West Ham fans. So therefore, all I got to say is this. Anytime you get to put those bunch, those bunch of lot, but those bunch in their place, send them packing. They're not even. Do you know what? I, I, you know, I've actually, I, I've, I've actually gone past Olympic Stadium a few times, and I ran past. Were there caravans? Let's just say I spent five minutes in doing my half marathon, screaming abuse at that stadium, and then running on. on. That's how much I despise West Ham. All right, and Toro, Toro even knows. But what? Anything else he tells you, don't believe him. All right, fair enough. Shuban hates West Ham. I think we can. We can all agree on that. Um, and, and you mentioned it. If, if Kurt Zuma hadn't coughed up a hairball and, and scored an own goal, uh, he certainly, you know, we would have had a sunny hat trick today. And I think that's the place we need to start because I know Todd wants to just roast me for, for suggesting in previous pods that what's going on with Sonny? Is Sonny a little off here? We had a long debate about it midweek. So, Todd, I'm going to give you the floor right off the bat here. Just tell me I'm wrong and tell me I'm a terrible person for, for even doubting young men's son. Don't you try to Abraham Lincoln your way out of this shit. Get the fuck out of here. No, 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 no. You sat on this very podcast and tried to tell our listening audience that Sonny has some sort of an issue. And just because he's banging in goals doesn't mean that he's playing well. Just because he's producing doesn't mean that he he is, is in top form. And what I would say to you is um, you're wrong. And we kind of move on politely from there. Nothing more needs to be said. 9.2 and a couple of goals should have been three or four today uh, for young Min's son. Uh, he's, he's magical. And even on the days that he's not great, he's still fucking fantastic. The way that he runs at people, Andrew, is not something that we have in the rest of the team. The way that he can accelerate. Like, and God loves Stevie B. Right, I'm not saying anything negative about Stevie B. I'm just simply saying that the way Sun has the ability to go from we're all kind of running at the same pace to I am at least three yards faster than you is elite. It's some of the it's some of the best acceleration in the world. It you're you're 100 right. And look, I think that I was more saying that not that there's something wrong with Sunny, but that it still doesn't look like he's quite fitting into. Conte's system I think that's what I was the point I was attempting to make and probably did so poorly um <laughs> I I think he looked like he fit in the system pretty damn well today that's the that's the thing uh, the, the front three today and when you pair it with um you know a midfield that has a guy like Betancourt doing the things that he did today um that 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 shit can hum like that that can that can roll out to some really nice looking things when they play as well as they all did today did you just try to olay that shit again <laughs> I think if you go back, you'll hear that I was complaining about this system. I was complaining no. about Sonny not fitting in perfectly to the system that has been being played. He's still, it seems like he's still learning it. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with Sonny other than it looks, he, he's looked well, uncomfortable in the last few weeks. 
this is what I would say is that it depends on how long and how large of a sample size that you want to be talking about. Are there individual games where you can look at it and say for one reason or another, Youngman's son did not look at his best? 100% you can't. But when you look at the larger picture, which is, in my opinion, and Caroline can back me up on, on this, when he came back from his hamstring injury in February, he's 100% been working towards this. And now I would say that over the last five weeks, we've seen him kind of find his groove. And this doesn't look any different for me, this performance and the way that he was utilized. To be fair, with that, with the exception of the end product, it doesn't look any different than we've seen over the past few weeks. Wasn't any different against Man United. It wasn't any different uh, against Leeds. It's Kulisevsky, Kane, Son causing a lot of fucking problems going forward, Andrew. I think the system works extremely well. And the, the, what I will say is that if we were able to, to get more production out of Region going forward, I think you would even see Son do more yeah. than he's doing right now. That's certainly something that we're going to need to come on to. We're going to have to talk about Sergio Reguilón at one point or another during this podcast, but let's keep it on the positive train for now. Um, and let's continue talking a little bit about Sun. Scott, what did you see from from Sonny today? Because honestly, like I said, it was it was a great performance. And the fact that he's able to do what he did along with, with Kane and, and Kulisevsky up top, it just, I mean, they kind of tore apart West Ham at the back. I, I honestly... I think Sun. Well, I guess what we saw today is is strictly just Sun doing what Sun does when the spotlight's on Sun in big moments, right? And I think there's history with West Ham, um, and I think that exacerbates the spotlight for him. But we see it time and time again: United, City, West Ham, you name it. Champions League ties, like Sun steps up and gets it done. So I think if I if somebody a month ago said Sun's going to have one of those spells where he's super effective for the overall, but kind of goes quiet on the goal front and rebounds with a uh, couple bangers against West Ham in a month, do you take that bet? And I pretty much put my entire savings account on that thing, right? I think that's just what he does. So um, it was written in the stars and Sun's a fucking fantastic footballer. And I think Conte would be smart to find ways to get the spotlight on on that guy a little bit more right um but that's easier said than done well i'll tell you what the 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 smile that he was beaming with after the match when when going over to hug him as he was coming off and being subbed off in the 90th minute i mean caroline that told me all everything i needed to know right i mean he he was he was shining a spotlight on him with his big old smile and his teeth right there wasn't he yes it was a heartwarming moment uh seeing them embrace after the game or you know after he subbed out uh you know i think Yes, it was definitely. <laughs> and I think in a way Conte has sort of tried to put more of the spotlight on him. Like we talked about with his uh, previous comments about needing the leaders of the team to really take over. Um, and he called out Kane, Larice, and Sun by name. So he, he is trying to, you know, make sure that Sonny takes that responsibility. I think he definitely did today. And we know that Sonny is one of the players that, 100% is always playing for the badge. And you saw that, especially in a Derby today, you knew he was going to be motivated. And I mean, it just, it thrills me to see him in this kind of form where he's basically like unplayable. Yeah, he was, he was, he was, he was incredible. And, and 
Kat, let's emphasize too the fact that 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 it wasn't just Sun Kane with with two more assists. Those guys connecting and and increasing that that tally more of of their their Premier League connections. And and Kulisevsky just continues to impress as well in, in terms of the way that this front three is kind of just picking itself and jiving, right? Oh yeah, I mean, I definitely like I'm enjoying the 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 the, the connection and relationship that those front three are, are, are creating right now. Um, and it's, it's, it's interesting that you point out that Sunny has been going through some spells, you know, in, in her, in his season. And I've always been like that type of person who's like, you know what, like, yes, he's out of form. Like, let's still make sure we play him, like let him play through his form. Because even if he's not doing that great, he's still producing, right? Cause the numbers don't lie. So the fact that. Um, Kuliseski, like how he plays, I feel like that should be a little bit more of what Sunny is is trying to adapt to, and it showed in this game. Um, and so that's I think this is when like those two are finally clicking because they are creating su- such you could tell in like the positioning and, and the runs that they are making that they you know Sunny is not more so focusing on that left side only running all the way down he's coming more inside and and making those little tackles and making those little runs um to just kind of take those defenders out of shape it's just how they they they're getting those defenders out of shape it's not as predictable anymore and it's nice that what once that Sunny is is exactly doing what Kuliseski is doing that that means that you know they are understanding um they're getting more of an understanding of what Conte wants so i can see that that shining through through what they're playing and i can see now like this is how we're going to attack um it was becoming very predictable but now i can actually feel like we have different ideas so i'm 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 really excited about that I think you're spot on about that. To to me, it feels like specifically, I know we've said this a few times, but specifically in these last two matches between Brighton and West Ham, it feels like we are seeing Conte's system really start to just grab a hold of this team and everyone Mm -hmm. start to really get it. Part of that though comes from a midfield that's playing really well. And we've talked ad nauseum about this midfield too. Um, and the guy that really shined in that for me today, Shuban, was was Rodrigo Bentancur. I mean, Hoiberg was really good again too, but Bentancur was doing some things. And I know you had a conversation with some folks down in Uruguay about this guy. T- tell us what you learned. Well, um, I'm going to shout out to um, Tom Spur. That's Tom underscore Spur. And I was asking him, because I've, I've actually, I remember seeing Be- um, Rodrigo Bentancur, or Rodders as I call him, since as in, back in 2018. And he was a young kid and he's playing for at the World Cup and he was really good, strong, you know, calm, good feet. And my you know, a friend of Scotty's and a friend of mine, Dave, I kept saying to you know, do you, you know, he's sports you guys, can we have can we have Rod? He goes, No, we have your Rod, no, no, no. <laughs> and then when I asked and I actually asked him about him, I actually asked this guy, and I was like, What do they think of him in, in Uruguay? And apparently they don't rate him at all. They call him the Harry he's like the Harry Winks of the Uruguay national team, apparently, passing backwards and sideways. But today I mean, there was calmness. That second goal, you, yeah, there was a really good slide draw pass to Kane to allow him to break through the line. But there was another moment, I think he was, it was probably box to box, where he makes a really vital interception, which means he reads the game really well. And this is a lad who's had, who's had no preseason, um, you know, very, just come in, what, in, um, was it, end of January or something? Very at the tail end. And you're thinking, oh my God, 
it's like, why did Paratici not sign these guys before or something? Because he must have signed them for Juventus. He must have known what they were going to do. But um, no, he, he really impressed me. Uh, obviously, I don't know what you what your feed showed, but Alan Smith on Sky Sports, who's, who I, I don't really like that much because he's a gooner, but he gave Sunny man of the match. But for me, Rodders should have got man of the match. He was just really good feet, very calm. And that's what you want. He's someone that when the midfield gets choked, I mean, I kept, I, I mentioned this in the in the chat. I was like, they, we, I said, Do you know what? They've got some tired legs out there. But when you're looking at that bench, I'm thinking, do I really want to bring Harry Wings on? I'm like, not really. Do I bring on Lucas? Not really. Not that they're bad players. They're not terrible players. But there's a significant drop-off in quality when you bring those, those guys on. And that's, you know, but Rodgers was just really good. I'm hope. I'm just worried that I've jinxed him before. I'm, I'm pretty superstitious, as some folks know. Uh, I'm worried I've jinxed him now because international break, and that's never kind to Spurs, as we found out. So hopefully nothing, <coughs> too, nothing too happens to him and um, he comes back you know, roaring to go against Newcastle. That's a really good shout, Shuban. But the thing about Bencore that I, that I think goes extremely uh, unappreciated is how well he has the ability to do things calmly. And I think that that's something that we've sorely lacked in this midfield. And I think that that also has a calming effect to uh, a calming effect on Hoybier. Andrew, I think that it's something that the reason why Hoybier has been able to do what he needs to do right now is because he kind of just like blends in and, and is that cement, the glue, as he likes to call himself, that kind of keeps things moving because Benton Core is in the right place doing the right thing at the right time in the right position. And he's not doing it frantically like a Harry Winks would do. And, and that's that's a big difference maker. No, Todd, that's enough. a great point on Betancourt. The calmness, it's the calmness for me. And it's he had that moment kind of late-ish in the match where he did that little pirouette uh, right on the edge of the box. And, you know, Arlo White on the broadcast over here in the States on uh, on USA or, or whatever they are, you know, the NBC, he he almost freaked out because he like you could hear it in his voice like it was it was nervy. But I was sitting there like, no, Benton Bettencourt's on the ball. He's got it. He's going to he's going to get out of this somehow. Um, he did the same thing even later on in the match when Romero got himself in the corner and was was was, mm-hmm. you know, he just went down and helped Romero out and got they both got out of it. Um, it's there is it's a calmness and it it, it helps. I'll tell you what, man, that helps relax the center backs. It helps relax everyone who's just, even if you've got to pack it in a little bit. And West Ham didn't really force Spurs to pack it in at any one point. They had a little bit more control after they made those subs for a moment, maybe 10 minutes or so. And then Spurs kind of grabbed things right back and and grabbed the game by the neck. Um, and Bentcore, along with Hoybier, I'm not I'm not slighting your boy at all here. Like they're both providing a lot. And I, I do think it it we haven't heard a, a real update on Oliver Skip's condition, I, but I, you know, once we do, it's going to create a situation, and hopefully, it does create a situation where you got to figure out wh- where the pieces fit and and how to, you know, how to so, put the, the square pegs into the round holes and such. So, so from I've been kind of watching that situation pretty closely, and from what I've heard, it's Skippy's expected back by Conte. So, I mean, who knows? He's he's right. the head coach, but. Uh, but he says that he expects Skippy back by after the international break, um, which I think will be perfect for us to be able to rotate down the stretch. And I think it'll be a straight swap for PEH. I honestly, I don't yeah. think unless, you know, injury, injury aside, I don't think that, that you, that you take Bentecourt out of this team. I really don't. 
By the Scott, way, you... how have we made it? Hold on one second. How have we made it this far into this podcast and we haven't talked about fucking Harry Kane and that gorgeous pass to Sun for the first goal? What are we doing? Look, it's similarly to what Scott said earlier about Kim Win Sun, like this is what he does. I think that's what you say with Harry Kane at this point. This is what he does. And it's weird to come to expect that kind of performance from Harry Kane, but that is where we are as Spurs fans. We expect him to get an assist or a goal every game and him to, to play the number 10 role as well as the number nine role. Um, you're right. You're right, Todd. We, he, he deserves, you know, a full 10, 15 minutes of, of all of us just, you know, heaping praise on him and giving him his flowers. But that's, that would be this podcast every fucking week. If we, if we just did that, which is fine. I mean, I'm fine with that, <laughs> but like, I figured we would shine a little bit on Sonny and, and Kulisevsky and, and go back to Bentoncourt. And we haven't even really talked about the, the job that Christian Romero did. I mentioned him just a second ago in that little, especially in that little spot, but he was incredible today. Yes. Um, there it's, it's, it's really fun when you watch a Spurs match and there are four, maybe five shouts for man of the match, because you know, you have that many guys that played so damn well. I mean, Harry Kane could win man of the match in every match. And he's probably, like I said, the third or fourth guy that you would talk about as a real standout in this game, because he, his performances tend to blend in because he is just that damn good. So that's my roundabout way of answering why we haven't dove in on Harry Kane, because I mean, you're right. We should, but also this is his level. This is, this is where he is. Um, with that said, Scott, I know you you wanted to heap some more praise on Betancourt because why wouldn't we do that again? Like Betancourt is the guy who he between he and Kulisevsky that have really, I think, given this team the jolt they've needed in the last month and a half to get themselves into this top four discussion. I'm going to sing for everyone. Oh, good. He's the reason we'll be playing Wednesday next season. He came with his mate from Sweden. It's been the core. All right. So I wanted to. My, <laughs> Thank you I for sing, that. I sing because I didn't know how else to put into words how else I was feeling other than what you guys have already done, which was really just to say that Bentacore's calmness and willingness to take the ball in tight difficult spaces and progress it out of that tight space has taken so much pressure off the back three which you got to andrew and that is a huge part of why we're playing so well right now and i say all that because i do have a point you know i wanted to sing right but but bentacore is and kulisevsky and i said this in the chat earlier have changed our season drastically and quickly right um I think we were just floundering a little bit before those two bedded in and we're really tight and short up now. And I think it, it is a reason for anybody who wants to give slack to Pratici and Levy and Conte and whoever else, just please be quiet and watch the professionals do their job, please. Because these two guys who we signed for a combined, like, I don't know, 2 million, I think. No, a lot more than that. Right. I'm being sarcastic, but we didn't pay a whole lot for these two when you put the numbers together and, um, just a shrewd piece of business, but most importantly, on the field, it has changed our fortunes quickly. Um, Bentaker is a hell of a player, um, without without question. I think my my buddy from from you know from the Juventus side of things, who I've talked about plenty at this point, but he he will tell you that Bentaker has always kind of been that scapegoat for the Juve faithful, who certainly have needed a scapegoat 
day in and day out for the past 18 to 24 months. Right. And he's been one of them. And, and uh, you know, I think strangely enough, they were fine to see him go, but we, we have a gem in that guy and, and, and it's great to see. Um, yeah. So up the fucking Bentico up the Kulisevsky. Come on, you Spurs. Can we have Bale come back and teach a left foot clinic so Kulisevsky can figure out how to bend it into that top fucking corner? <laughs> because he sets himself up for that shot at least three times a game and he can never seem to find it. Oh, and, and after that, can Bale teach um, Reggie, number one, how not to go down like a, like a little, I don't know, little wine, little get. And yeah, we're, 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 we're going to come on to that. We're going to come on to that. Dude. Uh, yeah, I mean, Regian. Regian was. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, Caroline. I just wanted to say before we go off of Benton Kerr and talking about the midfield today, and also in the last game, it feels like we're really starting to have like team performances, not just individual performances from like Kane, you know, etc. You know, holding us together. We we're actually playing as a team. We were able to play through the midfield and. Literally every time we got possession, I felt like something was being created and there was going to be a quality chance at the end of it. Some of those chances went to Region, which was not ideal, but you know, it's improvement overall. Yeah, and that speaks to the the theory of having four or five different players with a shout for for man man of the match. I mean, that it's you know that's what happens when you get such a complete performance. I mean, I mentioned we we've we've talked about the three center backs very briefly, but like. You know, the fact that Dyer and Davis and obviously Romero was the star of them, but the fact that those guys all just they're playing so well because of the midfield in front of them, because the wingbacks are doing enough to in, in, in support defensively. I thought Darty had another really good game, you know, but but it's the Region that we need to talk about, the Region of it all. I guess I'll come to you, Shuban, before you know, on 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 Region, because you brought it up. I mean, it's it's one of those things where I get so frustrated watching the guy. He's slowly slipping in in my mind of of being able to to be the guy at at left wing back, and it stinks because. And I I don't know if I mentioned this on the air uh, in a previous pod, podcast or just mentioned in our group chat, but it feels like at Spurs right now we have one guy in Sessegnon who can't stay on the pitch at left wing back, and another guy who, when he's on the pitch, is just not getting the job done. Where are you with Reggian? So I think my feelings on Reggie are pretty clear. If he wasn't left-footed, he'd be playing in the championship. I just think he's just, you know, yeah, some, some, that's, that's, that's what I feel. I don't mean, look, he is a left-back. He's playing left-wing-back, which we've seen as like Emerson. He's not, you know, I think we saw that Emerson managed to get in the way of Harry Kane. So he's learning the position of left-wing-back as opposed to being, it's not a case of, oh, you're a left-back, so you play left-wing-back. It doesn't work that way. So he is learning. He has to learn the skills that you need to be a left wing back effectively. So I'll give him that. This is his first season to learn it. New manager, everything else. So I'm going to give him a bit of a, you know, a little bit of a buy on that. But my God, he has to do something this preseason and show his value. Um, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I'm not really in assessing you. And I saw him play at Stevenage for the U23s. I think it was, and he wasn't that great. But he wasn't fully fit. And it's a bit of a weird one because Sess actually came to us with an injury. I think he either he came injured or he picked up an injury within his first month or something. So he's never really had the chance to really stay fit. And apart from his at Hoffenheim, and he played quite a lot of games there. So maybe 
obviously the pace, the you know the German league compared to the English league, you're going to pick up less injuries, you know, pick up more injuries in in England. But no, it's just a bit of a weird one, really. I mean, I don't rate Reggie if he wants if if Real Madrid want to pick up that option, or we can get a decent left back, then yeah. But left backs don't grow in trees. Statistically, what one in what one in six people are left are left handed or left footed. So to play that caliber, I recommend to put up with Reggie. And hopefully, you know, Conte can work his magic with him. But, you know, it, I mean, for me, I mean, I, I mean, I, I said in the chat, do you know what? Maybe we can we switch to a 4 3 3 or something? Just get Davies out there, play him at left back or something, and just so we keep that balance or something. But Conte likes a 3 4 3. I'm not saying he's, he's, he's like, oh, it's 3 4 3 or 3 4 2 1 or nothing. But, you know, it just felt that Davies had, had more of a cross on him. I was at Old Trafford last week. Nothing went through, um, um, what call it, through Reggie. I mean, United didn't even bother tackling him. You know, they didn't, they just didn't even think he was a threat. And for me, you know, it just, he has a lot of improvement to do. I mean, I gave a shout out to my buddy, um, Miles, who's now a part, he's now, he's now in LA now from San Diego, where I met him. And he's now in LA. I said, look, can you get him stronger or something? Because he went down, and do you know what? There were times I thought I thought he needs to get a yellow card here for the cent. Kaz actually put in our chat that do you know what? None of our players got booked, which kind of I'm actually glad I didn't bet on Romero getting booked in this match. But yeah, I mean, I don't know because I thought, but do you know what? If he was going to get booked, he was going to get booked for the amount of petulance. I mean, like, do you know what? You, you're going down. If you, you know, do you know what? Be strong. If you're physically strong, you know, people have a perception of foreign players in this country. They go down when you touch them. That is the perception, rightly or wrongly. That's what we're going to say. I'm going to say, tip, I'm, I've said that myself. Typical foreigner, he goes down easily. You know, that's why I've, I've said that myself. So for me, he has to be stronger in the tackle. And if he gets, if he's going to get kicked, take a kicking because you know what? That is that is part of professional football. Unfortunately, it is the way of things. So for me, he's got to be stronger. And I don't know if he's going to be picked for Spain in this um, in this international break. But for me, I would be doing tons of be like, do you know what? Hoping I'm not being, I'm hoping he doesn't get picked for Spain in the in the international break, and Conte gets to work with him, drill his finishing, get him. I'm not saying he's going to turn into bloody I don't know, incredible Hulk or something, you know, overnight. But literally say, look, we need to get you stronger. We need to improve your finishing because right now we are putting chances on a plate. We should have been at least, we should have a goal from him, or at least two. There were chances were there. And he's not taking them. Yeah, it feels like there is a, you know, and there, there is a right way to to go down. But it feels like every time he goes down, he's doing it deliberately. I mean, we've seen we've seen English players go down. We see Harry Kane go down all the time and he tries to do it tactically. And it is whether you like it or not part of the game. But every time it feels like Reggian goes down, he's immediately looking back at the official and immediately slamming his hands on the ground and I don't know. Maybe there is a strength thing. It's it to me. It is going forward though, because you brought up defensively last week against United. I thought he was good, and and defensively, I think he's doing a job. But Todd, it's it's going forward from a wing back that you need more, right? So it's just the, it's just the end of the production. He's doing all of the right things. He's getting into the right positions. He's cutting the play back when he's supposed to. Going forward, he has a decent cross on him. The issue shout about if he wasn't left footed, he'd be playing in the championship. Is rough on a on a, a week where he's been linked to Barcelona in the summer. Like 
there, there are a couple of different things that you can look at with Reggie and say, you know, we expected more from him in the end product variety. But I think that like with any finishing, Andrew, it's about confidence. And right now he doesn't have it. Um, in terms of him going down easy and things like that, I even said in the chat today, listen, if, if that's in Spain, that's a penalty. And in, it's just, this is, I'm not going to say he's soft, but I mean, if it, he, he's fucking soft. So it's, um, <laughs> you know, it, the thing is, is that, you know, one of the reasons why Brian Heal is able to, you know, get off of our bench and walk straight in to uh, a La Liga team and start is just because the physicality of the Premier League is unrivaled. In, in top tier football, you can go and get your ass kicked all over the world. But in terms of the physicality and the level of play, it doesn't get any better than at the, the Premier League level. And, you know, guys like Reggie either figure out how to get tougher or they figure out how to move out of England. So yep. um, he supposedly loves it here and he's, you know, coys 100% and all of that. Um, and with Cess being out and, you know, unreliable, he's going to get a lot of opportunities here, at least until the end of the season. So I agree with you. I hope that he doesn't get picked for, mm -hmm. for Spain. I hope that he ends up just banging in stuff with his left foot all, all uh, you know, um, all international break. And I wish Hugo were sticking around, Andrew, because he could appreciate some near post practice as well. Fair enough. That's a that's a that's a good shout. I do think I don't want to just pick on Regian uh, Regian for his um you know his size because I think we see a little bit of that too at times with Sessignon. You know, Sessignon. I, I I don't know their exact um, measurements, if you will, or or what you know their heights and weights and all that stuff. I, I don't have those. Hey now, but it yeah, it feels like. Sessignon's maybe a little bit bigger than Reg Regian, but but I don't know for sure that he's like even the the big sturdy England left wing back that you would want either. We see him get get pushed around a little bit at times too. You think he is? I do. I think that the season that he, well, the multiple seasons that he had in the championship where he was the championship player of the year that one year. And I think that the year that he had abroad playing in um, Germany made a huge difference in his ability to handle the physical pressure of European football. Yeah. Um, and I think that's one of the things that you saw immediately when he's come in for Reggie, especially I think it was against Liverpool where it was just like, oh, shit, this guy actually isn't getting bullied off the ball offensively every single possession and looking for a foul, which is sometimes yeah. you're like what happens when, when Reggie gets to have too many touches. But Cesc is quicker, though. I think that's what he also has on him. He he understands that he's quicker. He may be lighter, but he still moves in the sense that he's quicker. You know, whereas, oh. like, instead of making that tackle, he'll just do, like, a quick one-two and just run past you. And that's always an issue that I have. Sometimes an issue I have with Cessignani is just getting past his men, but whenever he does, it's, it's, it's really glorious to see. So, Well, Cessignani also finishes. I mean, he did in the True. championship, and he finished last year on his loan. Was he at Hoffenheim? TSG Hoffenheim? 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 Yeah. I mean, he was, he, he was putting the ball in the back of the net. So, uh, But I think I, I will say on, on Reggion, I mean, I do tend to agree with Shuban in the sense that you know, he's not, he, you know, uh, I guess he, he he's not going to light the world on fire, right? He's a good, sturdy left back, and I think he can improve. But I also would have to say that Conte did make it clear that he felt the personnel was part of the reason he came here, that there were some right pieces in place. And I think, you know, you're looking at 
you know, of course, how can you use a back three? So you're looking at guys like Ben Davies and whatnot, but most importantly is the wing back. I mean, Conte, Conte certainly is going to know how important that position is for his, for his way of playing soccer. Right. So, um, he had to, he has to believe that Reggion and dare I even say Emerson have the capabilities to become that effective wing back, or I don't think he would come here and he may be learning differently as he goes, but I would definitely stand on the hill that he at one point saw capability in both of them to do the job. Right. Um, you know, we'll see how things progress, but if anybody can get something out of a guy like Regulon to become that wing back, it's Conte. So we'll see. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm laughing because Caroline laughed at the face I made. You brought up Emerson's name and I, I made a face and I just, I don't even <laughs> really want to talk about Emerson um, because that's a whole different can of worms. But when it comes to the left side, um, I really just think that it's, it's, it's the point I made at the top. Sessegnon's best ability beyond everything else has to be his availability. Uh, we we know that he has a lot of the tools to 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 be a good, even if it's a secondary left back left wing back on this club. Um, all of it's very good, they, and it's there. It's just he needs he needs to be able to push Reggion. He needs to be available to push Reggion, and right now um, he's not, which is the unfortunate part. Um, I think the next uh, the next place we kind of have to go from here is to talk about what this win and. Have it pair. We haven't even really mentioned that the fact that this removes Spurs from this roller coaster ride of form that they've been on the win loss, win loss, win loss in all comps. Um, and that's great, but what it means, there are nine matches left in, in Spurs season, and they are three points back from fourth position. Uh, and we know who holds that, and we know that they have a game in hand, but one of those games is against Spurs. So there is a whole hell of a lot to play for. And shout out to all of the bozos on the bird app for a few weeks ago who replied to me after the Burnley match when I said, yeah, Spurs lost to Burnley, but guess what? Everything's still out in front of them. Top four is not off. This team is better than you think it is. It can still round into form. And now Spurs sit in kind of not pole position, but they're right there in the mix. And there's a lot of bozos that still want to tell me that top four is done and dusted. Uh, guess what? It ain't. Um, so I think that's where we have to go with this next Todd and tell me why I'm crazy for thinking Spurs can actually get into the champions league next year. Um, you're not crazy. It's just, as it tends to do with that fucking lot across the way, it's going to come down to that game. Um, and it's hundred percent going to come down to that game. It's going to come down to that game every single year. When you actually look at the games in hand that they have, it's like one's against us and the other one's either like Chelsea or Liverpool. I don't remember which, like their schedule is not favorable down the stretch. Realistically, they could drop significantly more points. Um, but I mean, again, we're Spurs and we can sometimes do Spursy things. And, and, and so that's something that we have to consider as well. And that's why I say that ultimately they're going to hold on to that game as long as they possibly can. I think Dakota mentioned this on the podcast a while back, but there's a, there's a place where they're going to drop it essentially on a Wednesday between super hard games for us. And that's essentially going to determine uh, the, the, the points for a top four. Um, I fucking hate them, Andrew. And I don't like that we're spending time talking about them, but um, the fact that they're cowards and we're able to manipulate the schedule to their liking um, is the reason why Antonio Conte put uh, an absolute smack on Mikel Arteta during this week's press conference. I'm looking at our schedule for our games remaining and 
you know, since you're saying the league's going to want to drop it in at the worst possible place for us, uh, the Arsenal match, I feel like the only place it could really get tricky is either before or after the Liverpool game. Um, Because otherwise, you know, we don't, we really don't have the toughest run in to the end of the season. And that's why I'm, I'm still feeling confident about top four, especially with the form we've been in the last couple of games. Like, I feel like this could really be the time when we pick up the momentum and go on a solid run. It's still going to be, you know, slim margins, but I think we can do it. It's something where we do have momentum right now, five of seven games in the Premier League. And again, you know me, uh, it always comes down to threes and two of the last three games are W's and you, you, uh, you hit that uh, two times on the bounce and you are where you are, Andrew. I, I don't hate it. So, so one of the things I have, I have issue with, I think if we can keep everyone fit, then yes, we have a good chance top four. But I look at, I mean, I, I look at our bench and there just isn't that level of quality there. Now, just to, you think, oh my God, these guys can come on, these guys make a difference. Because I was at, when I was at Old Trafford, Sonny was having his best game. I thought, we could bring in Bergwijn. He could do a job, but I don't, I'm not too sure. We need someone creative. And right now, we've only got one proper creative attacking midfielder and that is well apart from Kane when he drops back and and, and that is Decky. We've only got one really solid well two. So we've, got, we've only got two solid midfielders. But you know when we, we missed Rodders when he was away. And you know and I'm worried about Romero. I mean like I think he's on eight yellow cards or something. So I, I can't remember it's a 30 second game or something and I don't know how it's gonna work out. I mentioned that on the on the polls that you know would you want to see him you kind of worry, would you like to say, just keep playing the game and just take the booking, the, you know, the suspensions against Aston Villa and um, to Brighton or something? Because he is so important. Because when you look, there's a significant drop. I mean, I look at Joe Rodon and I think, do you know what? I would be shitting myself if Joe Rodon was playing instead of Eric Dyer. I would be shitting myself if Darren Sanchez was playing instead of, instead of Romero. We've got no one that can cover for Ben Davis. Yeah, because you know we haven't got any real. You know, he's the only left-sided centre half we have. So that would be my only fly in the ointment kind of thing. The depth at this point of the season, with nine games remaining, is less of a concern to me. I get that it's a concern, especially if there is an injury. But in terms of rotation, and I think I think Caroline made a, a really salient point a moment ago, where they're going to stick this Arsenal game in what is going to be deemed to be an inconvenient spot. And I think you're right. I think that game is going to end up going uh, in the week between the May 7th and May 15th matches, because when you look at the way the schedules mash up, um, both Spurs and Arsenal play on those days at the same time, the 7th and the 15th of May, that would, um, you know, it would make sense to try and slide that game in midweek uh, if, if at all possible. And in comparing the, so who the, are those opponents for us, Andrew? So the opponent on uh, the seventh for us would be Liverpool and on the 15th would be Burnley. Um, and for them, it would be Leeds at home and Newcastle away, uh, you know, before and after that game. So I, I think that's probably what's going to end up happening. But, you know, we'll, we'll have to see. I'd say this right now. Sky and BT will do their nut if the Premier League puts it midweek. Midweek matches, do they, they do draw, but nowhere near as much as weekend games. And especially if they, because the Sky actually mentioned this, I don't know if they were doing this deliberately, but they were saying, oh, maybe if they have it at the end of the season, because that way it's all on the line. Do you know what I mean? Just to get the ratings. Like, I wouldn't put it past Sky to try and slit the Premier League a backhander, you know, to actually try and say, no, have it at the end of the season. 
this could be this could be your 39th quote unquote game that you want to you know to really get people things as well as the broadcast I mean, you know because it's a really grudge match it's a grudge match between two rivals there's such a story to play and they don't want to have that in midweek television is king and believe me if that happened midweek sky and bt would do their nuts they want the whole weekend to build around this there's no other week there's no other no, no, weekend no, that there's the end of the season. They can make it the end of the season. They've done it before. When this is well, this is going about thirty years ago now. But Spurs and Man United were due to play, but because of the Europe, I think Man United were involved in European competition. We were involved in FA Cups, so basically the season had ended. But we'd actually won the FA Cup, and then we played Man United in a pretty much nonsense game after the season had ended. There, so, that, never, that has, so there is precedent, though. There's precedent, there's, though. There's they're precedent not going to be able to do it though, unless it is truly for something they're not going to be able to just slide that game to the end of the season unless everything else lines up perfectly leading up to it i, I just don't see it happening it, it makes it, it make no sense well i i mean well, i see it I, I i let me just chime in here shoes like i absolutely see it as the opportunity for sky and the lot to make extra money you have to understand like this is one of their marquee matches in the season andrew and they didn't get this last year they, they didn't get the gates they didn't get the build-up you know and, and so this is something where they kind of get to oh wait you mean we get to make this a spectacle <laughs> more so than it already thing. is exactly already? exactly i mean honestly I, I, though like dare i say it doesn't even really fucking matter when we play this game because i think andrew andrew's point Death is not as concerning as it, as it as it has been at times for this team, and we could even have the conversation. How many times on this pod have we said, hypothetically, you know, would we benefit from not having these extra competitions? Well, like at the end of the season, I'm gonna argue if we get top four that it's because we didn't have the distractions of these other competitions. So, like, I don't sure. really care when we play Arsenal. Fuck them. We'll beat them. Not fuck them as people. Fuck them as an organization. I never wanted to attack someone's character, right? But oh, I do, and their fans. Yeah, I mean, whatever. There's a there's a way to attack everybody's character if we want to, but I think ultimately they are our rivals. I don't care when we play them; we go kick the shit out of them whenever we do, right? It doesn't matter. Like we are well prepared, and if you look at their schedule, they have a derby at Palace, Brighton comes to town, Southampton away, Chelsea away, Man United at home, West Ham away. And Tottenham away. Yeah, and 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 look, that's that that was the next point I was going to go to, Scott. Like, Spurs have conceivably they have Villa still. Uh, they have a Brighton team that they just beat. Uh, they have a Burnley team that they obviously need to get revenge on. Uh, Leicester always seemed to be a weird match, but the other matches, the only other one that really stands out as that is one where getting a point would be an accomplishment is the Liverpool match. Um, for, for Arsenal, on the other hand, you know, Chelsea, United, West Ham, um, I, I mentioned Brighton is a, as a common opponent that can give teams trouble. I mean, they have a couple of, of teams on that remaining fixture list that you would say, eh, they, I could see them dropping points there. And then of course the big one is, is against us, of course. So yeah, it, it you know, it does come down to matching up. Okay. Where can you see? You know where can you afford to drop points? Well, Spurs can afford to drop points against Liverpool. Um, maybe if you get one, that's a bonus. But like, this is this is where we're at at this point. It's comparing schedules and, and comparing what can be done, right, Cat? 
Yeah. I mean, also keep in mind that Arsenal does not have that much squad depth either. Right. We're basically in the same position, you know, and they've, they, they problem they have is just that they just have a lot more younger players and we have a little bit more seasoned players, but they still don't have that much squad depth. So any injury that happens to them, they're also just as screwed as we are. So I'm just interested to see how this is going to all turn up. I mean, I'm not scared of them, obviously. I just don't like, I don't want them to finish ahead of us, no matter what happens. <laughs> like, Kat saying she would take fifth as long as Arsenal's sixth. <laughs> uh, definitely. <laughs> definitely, I'll take it. <laughs> we, we, we started to talk a little bit before, um, before we started recording. Scott, you and I were going back and forth about it, about the idea that obviously everyone wants fourth, but at this point, it felt like you were almost starting to get comfortable that even if Spurs finish fifth and get the Europa League, it's like, hell yeah, that's a great season. And I agree. Frankly, I think even if we're back in that godforsaken conference league, like I at least feel and, and, and this goes to a, a much larger point. I at least feel that we are mo- slowly but surely moving away from the weird Antonio Conte will he won't he bullshit that we've been going through for the last three or four weeks and we're finally at least after these last two wins starting to get to a place where no matter what happens down this stretch of the season look Spurs could fall and finish sixth or seventh they could finish fourth wide range of outcomes still available for us here with with nine games left but at least it feels like we are getting to a place where we feel confident about where Antonio Conte is taking this club rather than every time he opens his mouth and even if he's going to just share a recipe or something we're going to question whether or not he's going to leave us in the summer like that's that's the part of the whole Spurs fandom thing that was really getting on my nerves down the stretch but am I wrong to think that at least we we feel like we're on the upward trajectory here Scott oh no question about it I mean and I think it was always it was it was inevitable that we that we would start to mend in progress. I mean, we brought Conte in to do that, right? And got a couple of guys in that were important. So so yeah, I mean, the progress is there. And I I think ultimately, if we finish fifth and have it have an opportunity to run at Europa League next year under Conte, I'm not opposed to that. I I do I do feel strongly, and I will not change my opinion here that if we if we miss Europa, I'd prefer to miss Conference League entirely. Sure. I really don't see the value in that competition, but um well it's also I, and, not and a I, step up on last year right like you you're in not the well, you want to progress ultimately i say that because in the current in the current premier league world a team like tottenham has so much to do so much will be asked of us to to compete at in the in the premier league and we just can't afford to have a pointless competition in front of us we really can't like how we do in in the domestic league is too important and if there's really no value in the competition that we're in, I just I don't understand why we would want to be there. And I and I'm and then that begs the question: Well, is there value in the Conference League? And we can debate that all day long. But that competition was designed not for Tottenham Hotspur to get European competition, right? That that's not why the Conference League was conceptualized, you could say, right? Um, and so I just I don't need that distraction. This club has way too much to do. Um, well, but, it was by UEFA. 
I mean, if we're if we're calling facts, correct. facts, correct, uh, <laughs> correct. So you never know, right? There might not even have been logic behind the decision, but I mean, there, there's a whole reason why you have a tertiary European competition is to make more money off of the large teams that you can bill in a tertiary European competition. Like it's pretty straightforward. Like I mean, the fact that Leicester's in that shit right now is laughable to me, and it's That's probably great. one of the reasons why you know they're miring in in mediocrity this season. You're not getting the best from them. I mean, they had a good game today. Big shout to James Madison for that beautiful free kick. But um, what what I'm saying here, Scott, is that I, I think it truly is, and this is the narrative that you're getting from Conte, I think that it truly is kind of a Champions League or bust sort of focus here. The thing is, is as much as you would be comfortable with us going into your Europa with Conte, the fucking British media would not. We would have failed. We would have bottled it. Conte and Kane are leaving again. This whole narrative that the 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 UK folks love to fucking spin the same thing and say it enough times to make it come true, like it, it's 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 fucking it's laughable to me. Outside of the fact that it's been right so many times, it's almost. <laughs> but you know, Andrew. Todd, you know what's funny about that though. <laughs> And look, I for once I'm gonna agree with you a little bit on your media take. Like, but guess what? People eat the fuck up. They eat that shit up, and we see it all the time. And and this is not. I'm not talking about you know Arsenal fans or West Ham fans or Chelsea fans. Or I'm talking about fucking Spurs fans eating that shit up. It is almost like we love to eat our own or eat ourselves to death on this stuff. Like the the content factory that spews shit. It's it, 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 it's it's for Spurs fans to eat up almost more than any, well, anyone else, right? Hold on one second. The only reason why I'm going to push back on that narrative right here, and I'd love to hear your guys' take on this as well, is I think that it's purported by the media, and then Spurs yeah. fans like take even the slightest hints of either you know chum in the water and, and they catastrophize. Uh, Shouts, Kurt Zuma, um, or they uh, or. They take it as a personal affront and they have to go attack from a very defensive position. And ultimately it, you know, it, it just kind of uh, erodes from there. It, it becomes the, the tell me I'm pretty syndrome that, that a lot exactly. of Spurs fans have. It, it's, it's the, what do you Which, mean? I'm not, a, what do you mean I'm not two, a big club. 30 years and two trophies or whatever the hell it is. Like you'll get a complex after a while. Okay. When you're when you you're will. a big club and you have the best stadium in the fucking country and you haven't smelled silverware in Jesus, my children haven't seen us win silverware. Yeah, uh, I correct. Have. Yeah, right. It's, it's been a while. Brutal. It's been a while, but it is. It is. It's the. It's the tell me pretty syndrome. That it's yeah. the. You're disrespecting me, even though what have I done to really earn this respect? Well, I'm really good uh financially as a club but yeah the the, the trophy <laughs> cabinet is still empty and and we've seen my balance sheet and we need to fix that and that's why i'm you know in, in in there's there's one camp that are please just dear god win everything even if it is europa conference league and then there's the other camp that are no get into champions league and like let's do some real shit because remember a couple years ago when we almost really did some real shit like let's get back to that that would be really great um well, it's kind of the catch-22, Andrew. And Caroline, I want to know what you think on, on this point specifically. It's kind of the catch-22. With Spurs, it's like you're – I think the ultimate answer is you're going to have to spend this summer, 
right? We've heard the, hold on, hold on. We got to, we got to build this stadium. Hold on, hold on. We got to build this training academy. Hold on, hold on. We're building, we're building, we're building. Okay. That's why you get a, a refrigerator that has, um, you know, you can draw on the front of it instead of the dryer that you need. Uh, shout to Potch. <clears throat> um, but I think now you have to spend in the summer because what this is crying out for is reliable depth so that you can attack multiple competitions like fucking city and Liverpool and Chelsea, right? Whether you do anything in the champions league is not my concern. It's that you get there so that we can dangle champions league in front of entities that we would like to purchase for high dollar amounts this summer so that we can attack domestic competitions at the highest possible level next season. What do you think? Hold on. Before you get to that, do you think the premier league then will be worth a shout? Then Todd? Or, uh, so it depends on who we're able to bring in. We still don't have a creative force. We still don't have a, a left-sided center back other than Ben Davies. And we still don't have a true left wing back a, a outside of Sessegnon. The other thing is, is we need to address whether or not we're comfortable with the still not having a fucking backup to Harry Kane situation. So there's a lot of things that we have to do. It really depends on what, and we don't have a creative midfielder. So, I mean, listen, I saw some wild shit come out of the mouths of people in Juventus today. If they decided that Pablo Dybala is surplus to requirements, we will happily take him in North London. And, um, and shout out to Coda, by the way, shout out to Coda. <laughs> Dakota can stop that. praying to, to his, <laughs> to Pablo Dybala every night to, for him to come. Um, <laughs> So, no, I mean, realistically, Kat, no. Do I think a trophy is a shout next year? Like a legitimate run at a domestic trophy? Yes, I absolutely do. Caroline, before you chime in here, I want to put one quick addendum on, and I know you've been cut off twice, and I'm sorry. One quick addendum to what Todd said. I agree. Spurs need to spend this summer, but there needs to be another word thrown in there because Spurs have spent. Like they they went and spent on Tanguy Dombele and Giovanni Celso, and in this past w- window they spent on Kulusevski and Bentancourt. They need to spend smartly. They need to recruit well and spend smartly. They can't just go throw a bunch of money at a problem. They need to spend properly and smartly, and and with a distinct, you know, target in their in their scope because that's the way that this thing gets to a place next season where it can really take off. Yeah, you teed me up perfectly for what I was going to say. It's that we have to be more prudent this time than we were the last time we were in this sliding doors moment where it felt like we were almost there. You know, we just needed a few pieces. We're in the same spot now. And you're right. We have to be smarter about who we bring in. It can't just be who's available. It can't just be who's the flashy transfer. It has to be players who actually fit into the system that Conte wants and that he can get the most out of. And it, it has to happen because you're absolutely right. Like we cannot be using the excuse anymore that we're building the stadium or we're building the training ground. Like all the other puzzle pieces have fallen into place and now we just need to finish the puzzle. So You're absolutely right. But to be fair, Paratici has literally had one and a half windows. Yes. And in his one and a half windows and, you know, we're going to leave the best uh, hip hop artist on the team out of this conversation. Um, He is, (laughs) he has done the best that he can with what he has to work with. And essentially in the one window where it was like, okay, do your thing, Kulisevsky and Benson core. 
and give me, give me, give me some more of that type of transfer activity this summer is all I'm saying. I agree totally that in this past January, they really showed that the two of them together, Paratici and Conte, they are a good team. We didn't have the best transfers in the summer because we were still in, in the Nuno era, as short-lived as that was. Uno? Um, yeah. Nuno? <laughs> but I think we're going to be in a much better place this summer, especially if we get top four and we have Champions League to attract players to the team. And I, I agree yes. that we should be focusing I on the domestic side of things next season, even if we are in Champions League. But, you know, we've proven we can beat City. Like, why can't we go and get a trophy next season if we get in the right players? So one of the things that um, I really think we need to make with Champions League is we've got a Newcastle who I was so hoping to get relegated, but probably aren't. And although we don't know what's happened with Chelsea and, you know, fuck them anyway, but, you know, they can't spend the money the way they used to. They, they really can't because, you know, their owner who's put so much money in can't, but... They're, they're, yeah, but they're, they're, they might have won the Champions League. They might not be because we don't know if they're administration. It's only that same thing. But Newcastle are a real threat. And this, yes, look, I'm not going to shit on Newcastle. I've never actually been to Newcastle, nor what I want to. It's bloody miles away. But um, I'll be honest, you know, if you've got a choice between living in London or living in Newcastle, you will choose London. It's the greatest city on earth. And I don't care. It, for me, it is. And you will choose that. And if you can choose London and Champions League, you will get that. You won't get the money that Newcastle will offer. And quite rightly, if you're a player, especially if you're a South American player or a player from, you know, whatever, well, you, you, you just say, you know what, I need to secure my family's future. I need to go for as much money as possible. Yeah, go to Newcastle. I'm not to blame for that. I'd do that. I did the same thing myself. But at the same time, we absolutely, not, not, not just us, I'm sure Arsenal are looking at that as well. And they're worried about the spectre of Newcastle. So we absolutely need to get Champions League football because the golf that I mean, I'm sure Newcastle will spend and they'll spend and they'll spend and they will spend to get the players to get it right. I have to be honest with you, Shubes. I I am not at all worried about Newcastle. <laughs> like I like until that club proves that it can. Money's one thing. You have to. It's the same point I was making with Spurs. You have to be able to spend it properly. You have to be able to spend it in the right places and do the right things with it. And until that club proves that it can actually do that, you know, City have done that. If well, Newcastle proves, well, if Newcastle proves that they they can they can do that, then I'll start to worry. But until I see it, I'm not going to worry about them. So I'm going to say two things about what they've already done with the the limited amount of opportunity that they've done uh, that they've had. They brought in trips. They brought in um, Bruno, and they brought in Chris Wood. Now, Chris Wood, stopgap, you know, obviously we know who that guy is. All right. Trips, very, very well uh, versed in what that guy's capable of. But I think at this point in his career, it's a good fit for him, Andrew. And Bruno is actually legitimately somebody that um, you can build a team around. So I think that if they continue to do things like that, you know, I, I don't necessarily think it's going to be this summer. But I definitely think that it is coming that we need to consider them a threat again. Well, maybe it's naive of me, but I do find myself wondering if players are going to start maybe second guessing if they should be signing with clubs like Newcastle 
City, Chelsea. I, I mean, I really think the Chelsea situation is going to be spooking a lot of them. And, you know, thinking about, do I even want to put myself in a situation where my contract could be in jeopardy? You know, I mean, you seem to think that the the UK government's not going to do anything about Saudi Arabia, but the political tide can churn really quickly. So you never know. It certainly has when in regards to Chelsea with everything that's been going on in the last month. So that's, that's for damn sure. And it is interesting. I, I understand why you would say that, that, that might be naive of you, but I don't, I don't think it is. I think there are some players and I think we will, they, those players will come to light who may start to speak out about these types of things and show their morals, their, their good morals and, and do those types of things. And then there's, there's those that won't, there's those that will, will want the paycheck and, you know, it's it, uh, for those of you who follow the world of golf, there's a very similar thing going on in the world of golf right now that's been going on for, for months and months. And, uh, you know, I, I won't bore everyone with the details, but you can just go Google Phil Mickelson Saudi Golf League and read all about it. Um, there's, a, there's a lot to be there's a lot to be learned with that kind of thing. And there's a lot of players who, you know, golfers or or footballers who would want to check over want morals. And, you know, the, a lot of those players can and will be revealed um, probably in the, in the coming years when it comes to what's going on in the world of, of not only English, but European football in general. You know, I'm going to take that time to uh, shout out Toby Alderweireld for uh, winning <laughs> a uh, trophy this week. Uh, big shout to him in the, sorry, the Qatari stars league. I, I believe he's in. Um, yeah. I, it was, I'm not hundred percent sure how it was a trophy, but it was an interesting trophy and good for them for winning it. Um <laughs> Listen, it's it's always going to come down to dollars and cents. Uh, yeah, I want to take this this opportunity to 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 provide two reminders to Andrew as we we look ahead here. The first reminder is that Harry Kane is getting twenty goals in the league. Just understand, <laughs> knew that, that was coming. Yep, knew that was coming. Yep. Go ahead. The um the the second one is uh just to remind everyone at home that West Ham get battered everywhere they go. West Ham get battered everywhere they go. Everywhere they go. Okay. A lot of singing on the pod today. It's 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 good that we're going into an international break. We everyone can replay the singing throughout the break to to keep them company. Um, also, by the way, there is still football going on during the international break. The women's team play two games uh, in the coming week. They play Wednesday against Chelsea. That's a big big London derby, and then a big London derby on Saturday as well against Arsenal. So, if you're missing Spurs on, on the men's side check out the women's side. Why not do that? Right, Caroline? That Those are two big matches coming up for them uh, in their quest for Champions League football. Yeah, very big. And these derbies are becoming so competitive now with the rise of the team in general. So I'm really excited. We haven't played Chelsea yet this season, actually, because that was our game that got postponed. So we, we don't totally know what to expect, but Chelsea are, have been in a good run of form. Sam Kerr is putting in goals for fun. So... <laughs> It's going to be a tough one. So, Kaz, can I ask a question? Obviously, we're looking at Chelsea in terms of the women's team and like the impacts on the embargo and everything else. The women's team, obviously, are they they're obviously similarly affected? They can't sell merchandise and stuff like that. But obviously, I'm assuming because it's Chelsea, that those players are on good contracts and stuff like that. So, are, they, are there players at Chelsea now who basically can't renew their contracts or something for next season? And these are, you know, is that going to be? Do you know how people are looking? Oh well, do you know what? And are they going to be backed as well? Is that something they're worried about? Is that something you can tell us about? Well, to my understanding, they are under basically the exact same restrictions that the men's team are. Um, and 
I was listening to another pod that did talk about this more in depth. Um, I think it might've been upfront. That's a good one to listen to in general for WSL news. But I, I think they have some players who are going to be out of contract, but it's not any of the like super big names like Sam Kerr, you know, that you would think of immediately, but it's definitely going to be a challenge for them with transfer, the transfer window coming up for sure. Not being able to bring in new players. Yeah, it's it's certainly something to watch on all fronts, not just the men's team, but the women's team. But like I said, the women in action this week, go check them out. Spurs men will not be uh, back in action until two weeks from today. That is Sunday, April 3rd. We're already into April by the next time we see Spurs play. Um, but international break time and we'll we'll keep a track, keep track of uh, the Spurs that are on international duty. And, you know, there's World Cup qualifying here in the U.S. I, I hear there's a big match this Thursday. I know uh that that's 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 kind of a big deal around these parts so um be sure to 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 check all that out um also want to just shout for for folks who have questions we're going to kind of we're going to do a pod next week during the international break and obviously have no game to talk about so if there's any mailbag questions any of those types of things you guys want to know and look our our listeners are are very smart all of you have great thoughts and, and contribute to the pod on a regular basis. I don't want you to ask if we, if, if us, if you, we think that Spurs are going to finish top four, like that's the most basic of, of topics to discuss that we've kind of been discussing for months. I want to, you know, I'll answer whatever Spurs or non-Spurs related soccer, non-soccer related, like whatever. Just Tottenham Depot questions. AMA is what you're getting at right uh, now. Yeah. Get us some questions over the next week. We'll, we'll address some of them on next week's pod since we don't have Pods a game to recap. So would that be like, what it, why have some players defenders called Rolls Royces? Is that the kind of questions you're looking to, uh, to get answered or something? No, I'm pretty sure we've had that one addressed, but, 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 but we could answer <laughs> some other ones as well. I would love to get some uh, questions about the women's team for sure. That would be great. Yes, we've had we've had some traction on that, and anyone who wants to to pepper Caroline with questions for next week, please do so um, because we're gonna have a, a a podcast to fill, and like I said, no no game recap to to do it with. Um, so I'm a little bit relying on you, the listener, to do my job for me uh, in terms of programming um, because I don't want to do it this week. I've got a lot on my plate. Uh, I'm, I'm going to visit a friend Saturday night. That should be fun. Uh, his name's Todd. Uh, he and I are getting Let's together. Go. That should be fun. So I I don't want to come into next weekend needing um you know needing to 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 program a podcast as well. So you the listener, do that for me. Spread the word. <laughs> have your have your friends uh, send questions as well. Tweet us at Tottenham Depot, uh, Instagram, TikTok, wherever you want to follow. Get get in touch with us. Leave us a voicemail. We can play that uh, on the podcast as well. So. Uh, that's all we've got for you this week on the Tottenham Depot. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Uh, follow us at Tottenham Depot while go around the room. Scott is at DSM Spurs. Cat is at Africa Spurs. Caroline is at CG Stepka. Shuban is at The Real Shuban. Todd is at TC underscore Kashow. I am at Ace Detka. I am also out of breath from doing all of that <laughs> by memory, <laughs> running through it all. Well done, sir. Well done. We, this has been the Tottenham Depot podcast. As always, come on, you Spurs. Thank you so much for stopping by the Tottenham Depot. Thanks to Scott Bird for our intro music, as well as the tunes you are hearing right now. Thanks to Dakota Booth for our artwork. Thank you as well to our spouses who put up with our obsession with this football club and for all that they do. And thanks to you, the listener, for what really makes this happen. Supporters make this club, and you, the listener, are what make this podcast possible. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Tottenham Depot, and as always... 
Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>